0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Let's the Bible tonight, please. I'll go to Philippians chapter number one, the ingredients from our family and uh, great to be here at North Valley Baptist Church this evening and what an honor, what a delight it is for Landon and I to be with you this evening and our hearts and lives have been encouraged and refreshed this morning and by the teaching, the preaching of God's word, the songs of the choir and to hear you people sing and our hearts tonight are encouraged. Thank you so much for all that you do and who you are in the Lord. Your testimony of course is So broad and so vast, it just goes beyond the 95054 area code, and I'm thankful for how God has used you in our lives, in our ministry, and uh, down there in Surprise, Arizona. So thank you, Dad, for the opportunity to preach tonight, and uh, I'm so thankful for your example of faithfulness. It's good to see you, and many of you are probably saying, now who in the world is that guy up there? Well, I feel like Naomi, you know, she went out full, but came back empty. I went out full, and I came back empty. And so I did not have i I'm going to tell you what, what's pastoring like, what's having five kids like, look right here, this is what it's exactly like. But I'm having the time of my life thanking God for all that he's doing in Arizona, and uh, so excited to be back here in the great state of California in North Valley Baptist Church. God has been good to our church there at Hillview, and uh, the pastor mentioned a few moments ago of the building that we just got this past year. And you gave towards that, and thank you so much for giving so generously for our church to have a a meeting place. And God raised up people all across the nation to help us uh, to be able to fund that building to be able to be a meeting weekly and uh, teaching and preaching God's Word. So thank you so much for your support and encouragement through these years. Landon's with me. He's our oldest. He's 12 years old, and 12 going on 35. And our assistant pastor, I think. And uh, we've had a wonderful time. Landon is is here tonight, and he's keeping me accountable. He's keeping me humble, and uh, he has a a unique way of doing that. And this past Tuesday, we were uh, traveling together up in the Prescott area, and I was uh, working a basketball game and and coming back home, and it was a, a dark Arizona night and kind of off the beaten path a little bit, and so... In Arizona, it's a little bit different than it is in California with all the different regulations and laws uh, when it comes to the Second Amendment. so I was telling Lana, I said, you know, this is probably a good idea that when you're traveling in a, in a region like this off the beaten path and, you know, you want to have something in the vehicle just in case, you know, an animal when you're changing a tire comes out and, and attacks you or somebody that wants to harm you or your family. And uh, you want to make sure you're always protected. And he said, well, Dad, did you bring... You know what you normally bring and i said you know uh i i had never leave the house without these two guns and he said boy dad we're in trouble aren't we i said yes we are preaching about two weeks ago and i got done and was walking the back door and he makes a beeline to me and i thought here comes a great word of encouragement from my firstborn son and he's gonna let dad know how the lord used him today to exposit the word and be an encouragement He said, Dad, five times. You said, I'm almost done. I'm almost done five different times. And you weren't almost done. So so I'm almost done. Received great encouragement from Brother Oxendine tonight. Always a word of encouragement. Haven't seen him in about five years or so. And uh, he reminded me 30 minutes tonight. 30 minutes, you know, we got to get home. I do promise you this. It won't be very long because it is already 8 o'clock Arizona time. And 8.30 is my bedtime, and uh, so we'll be uh, stand up, speak up, shut up, and then we'll go home this evening. Well, let's uh, look at our Bibles, Philippians chapter number one tonight, and uh, my dad mentioned this morning in the Sunday school hour uh, how that uh, I'm not supposed to be openly recruiting people down to Arizona, and so I promised him I wouldn't do that. But that secret meeting that we're having tonight for those that know about it, to Come down with us. We're going to meet downstairs following the service this evening in the choir practice. and to make sure you get your your package all ready to go for you as you come on staff at Hillview Baptist Church. All right. Philippians 1, let's stand together, please, and we'll read uh, several verses of Scripture this evening. And I pray that God would use his word in your life this evening. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day unto now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart, As much as both in my bonds and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, that ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you on the bowels of Jesus Christ. This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. That ye may prove things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. Being filled with the first fruits of, uh, the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. And this verse 12, 13, and 14 is where I want to focus our attention on for a little while this evening. But I would that ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace. And in all their places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding? Every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. Therein do I rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Lord Jesus, we love you this evening, and we thank you so much for your precious word. Lord, it's an inspired word, and we thank you so much that this is not uh, something that was conjured up in the mind of man, but Lord, this is your eternal word given to us. And I want to pray that you would bless it this evening. God, that you'd give us an ear to hear, a mind to understand, and then a heart to live what is contained in your word this evening. God, thank you for the people of God. Thank you so much for the North Valley Baptist Church and for their faithfulness for all these years, their sacrifice and the example that they have been to my life and the encouragement, the prayers. And Lord, truly, as the, the Apostle Paul said, I thank Christ Jesus upon every remembrance of, of this church at Philippi, so too my life with these dear, sweet people at, of North Valley Baptist Church. And I would pray that, God, that you would use your word to speak to their hearts this evening. And Lord, that you would allow me to, to not be a distraction, but Lord, simply just preach the Bible to your people and to walk out these doors here in a little while encouraged by what we've heard and challenged and refreshed in the Lord. We give now this time to you. Fill me with thy spirit, I ask, and fill the hearer with your spirit is our prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. As Paul was writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to the church at Philippi, he is writing from an incarcerated place there in a Roman prison. His purpose is to encourage those here at this rather young infant baby church at Philippi that they would not be worried about the welfare of their beloved Apostle Paul. Even though the Apostle Paul had full confidence in who Christ was and what Jesus Christ was doing in and through his life, he did not want the people of God to become weakened in their faith by what the Apostle Paul was facing in his circumstances. And that's the heart of a pastor, isn't it? Paul, as he was used there in Acts chapter number 16 to be so instrumental in establishing that church at Philippi, he had a deep love and affection for the people of God. He was not harsh to Philippi. He was not angry towards Philippi. But as the Apostle Paul would write, he genuinely and passionately loved God's people and people towards the Apostle Paul. Isn't that a beautiful thing this evening, how it should be? The pastor loving his people and the people loving those that shepherd and oversee the flock of God. But as he understood, as Paul was conscious of the fact that these young believers in Christ, as they saw him being persecuted and being incarcerated for standing for the faith of the gospel, he understood that their faith might wane. He understood that they could become troubled and perhaps even ask questions to God. Why would you allow this dearly beloved saint to be in prison? We understand in our life as we watch people suffer, as we watch people go through difficult times, as we see those that we love experiencing the valley of the shadow of death, sometimes our faith can weaken, can't it? Sometimes we can see a a father, a mother, a child, those that we love going through adversity or going through circumstances and it can compel us to ask the questions, God, why would you allow that to happen? Why would you allow that difficult circumstance to take part in their life? Lord, if you are so powerful and if you are so strong, then why are you allowing your, your servant to suffer adversity through this circumstance? But I remind you tonight in our life as we sometimes go through trials and as we go through the storms of life and as we even in our own life experience crises, This is not new to the life of a child of God, is it? As a matter of fact, Job wrote in Job chapter 14 and verse number 1 that man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. That might be your testimony tonight. As you look back over the years, yes, you can testify that God has been good and God has been faithful, but you know that there's been mountain times and there's been valley times that you've walked through that your life has been full of trouble. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though something that was strange happened unto you. Even Jesus Christ himself, speaking to his disciples before he would go away to the cross of Calvary, said, These things have I spoken to you that are in me, and I have peace, because in the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. See, Tonight, the reality is it's not a matter of if you have a crisis in your life, but it's a matter of when you have a crisis in your life, how do you respond. And Paul, I believe tonight in this text of Scripture, is going to show us a proper manner to respond to the crises of life that we face. Notice what he says in verse 12, if you would please. He says, but I would that ye should understand. Maybe mark that word in your Bible this evening, the word understand. Paul had a desire for this church at Philippi to bring that knowledge to the heart about what was happening in his life. And what does he go on to say? The things which happened unto me have fallen out rather for the furtherance of the gospel. Well, let's ask ourselves the question tonight, church. What were the things that happened unto Paul? What was the crisis in Paul's life that he went through? Well, in Acts chapter number 21 and verse 33, we see that he was arrested in Jerusalem. Acts 22, the apostle Paul was nearly killed by an angry mob. In Acts chapter number 23, he stands trial in Caesarea and is under house arrest for two years. Acts chapter 27, the apostle Paul was shipwrecked on the Isle of Malta. In Acts chapter number 28, Paul had spent two years in a Roman guard, chained to a Praetorian guard there in the nation of the city of Rome. He's been beaten. He's been stoned. Paul has been falsely accused. Paul living a life in constant pain. Paul going through hungers and Paul going through fastings and Paul going through all the pressures and problems of ministry and experiencing great crises. Paul said it best in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 how he said that he was in perils often, perils of his countrymen and perils of the churches, and he was shipwrecked. A night and the day, he spent in the deep, he was stoned, he was beaten with rods. Yet through all the circumstances the apostle Paul went through in his life, Paul was a man that remained joyful. Paul was a man that had so much joy and so, so much excitement about what God was doing in and through him. I must confess tonight that so many times in my life, I I don't model this spirit that the Apostle Paul had in his life. So often times in our life when we face adversity, and so many times in our life when we face crises, we want to quit, don't we? We want to throw in the towel. We want to question God. We want to give up, seek an easier path or an easier life. But through every circumstance that the Apostle Paul went through, he never questioned God. He never doubted God. He never got bitter bitter or angry with God. He never got frustrated at God. And Paul was a man that as the world was literally crashing all around him, had so much confidence and had so much trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Crises did not make the apostle Paul bitter, but it made him better. Crisis did not make the Apostle Paul drift further from Christ, but actually crisis made Paul draw closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe tonight in your life you're in the middle of a crisis. Maybe tonight in your life you find yourself in a circumstance that's similar to the life of the Apostle Paul. You may not be bound to a Roman guard this evening, but perhaps in your life your faith is being tested. Perhaps night in your life there's physical pain and suffering that you're, that you're struggling with or going through this evening. Perhaps there's financial problems. Perhaps there's a stress of a job that has wearied you. Perhaps night in your life there's grown children that have drifted far from God and are like the prodigal that has gone their own way. Perhaps night in your life there's loneliness. Perhaps night in your life there's personal discouragement. Despite our circumstance and despite our crises that we find ourselves in, I want to announce to this church tonight that you can have joy, that you can truly have the joy of the Lord. One one of the easiest ways that we can determine spiritual maturity in the life of a believer is what it takes for the joy to be robbed from their life. Paul had nothing that he faced that would rob him of his joy. And one of the reasons why Paul maintained his joy in crisis was because he had the right perspective through adversity. He had the right perspective as he was facing crises in his life. Tonight, for just a few moments, I want to speak to that subject for just a few moments that's about joy in crises. How do we, as God's people, have joy in our crisis? How do we as God's people go through circumstances and, and challenges and difficulties of life, yet maintain a spirit of joy about us like the Apostle Paul did? So oftentimes in our life, our joy as finite fallen people is our joy. So oftentimes it's connected to our circumstances, isn't it? As long as it's made in the shade, drinking lemonade, we, we're happy in the Lord. As long as the marriage is great and and is wonderful, we're happy. As long as the children are obeying and and as long as there's finances in the bank and as long as uh, whoever is our political party that we associate with is winning, then we're happy. But what happens when those things are robbed? What happens when those things don't always turn out the way that we want them to turn out? Paul was able to have the proper perspective because he was able to rejoice in unpleasant circumstances because circumstances was not the thing that tethered Paul's joy in his life. Paul was a man that was always connected and always anchored in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of the gospel ministry. And so tonight as we consider for just a few moments how to have joy in crisis and what crises does in and through our lives and how we can maintain our joy. And looking at this text of Scripture from a different perspective might help shed some light as we seek to, glor- to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in our life this evening. Notice number one, I'll give you some thoughts this evening from this text, that crisis promotes the progress of the gospel crisis promotes the progress of the gospel this was Paul's perspective this was Paul's eyesight was not focused on things that were merely temporal, but things that were eternal what was Paul's perspective look at verse number 12 he said but I would that ye should understand brethren that the things that happened unto me notice what he said have fallen out rather for the furtherance of the gospel. A forward movement, that word furtherance means in spite of obstacles. Was it a challenge for Paul? Yeah, it was. Was life easy? No, it was not. But Paul understood that the things that were happening in his life was actually filtering through the hand of a sovereign God to put him in places the gospel perhaps otherwise would not be preached. Look at Paul's perspective and how crises promotes the progress of the gospel. Verse number one, here was his perspective. There it is, Jesus Christ. The saints in Christ Jesus. Verse number two, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse five, for your fellowship in the gospel. Verse six, the day of Jesus Christ. Verse seven says, the confirmation of the gospel. Verse number 8 goes on to say the last two words there, Jesus Christ. Uh, Verse number 11 says, Jesus Christ. Verse 13, so that in my bonds in Christ are manifest in the palace. Verse 15 says, some indeed preach Christ. Verse 16, they preach Christ. Then in verse number 18, Paul goes on to say, I will rejoice and do rejoice. Why? Because Christ is preached. Why was Paul able to have joy in crisis? Because he had the right perspective, and the perspective that Paul had was this, that God is going to use my crises in my life that I am going through so that the gospel can go forward. Let me ask you the question, church. Is that your perspective? When you have hard times, when you have difficult times, is that what you think? Is that your first thought? Can I be honest tonight? That oftentimes is not my first thought. When my plane gets delayed, I'm not thinking, how can the gospel go forward? Uh, when there's financial trouble, I'm not always thinking, how can the gospel go forward? When the Falls and bus her him and I'm taking her to the ER to get stitches, I'm not thinking in that time, how can the gospel go forward? I'm wrong for that. But Paul says in his life, those things that I'm going for, those things that are happening to me, are actually producing the progress of the gospel. And in your life, perhaps it just might be that God has you in a circumstance right now that perhaps you don't like or you didn't choose. That God is teaching you and God is molding you and God has opened up doors of opportunity. Why? It's the gospel can go forward. Remember Paul the apostle? He wanted to go to Rome, didn't he? matter of fact, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 10, how he thought that he would go there in prosperity and have a life of blessing and pleasure. But Paul did not go to Rome on a cruise ship. Paul eventually did go to Rome on a prisoner ship. And from that prison cell, Paul would understand that, that his prison would actually become his pulpit to preach the, the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. And through his suffering... And through his crises, Jesus Christ would be made known. I wonder tonight in our life if we are content and happy and rejoicing in the circumstances that Christ puts us through so that the gospel can go forward. That was Paul's passion, wasn't it? That was Paul's heartbeat. Paul had two motivations in his life, and that was first to know Jesus Christ and then to to make Jesus Christ known. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 and verse 16, for though I preach the gospel I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. And Paul understood in his life that yes he was in prison, and yes he was incarcerated, and yes it was not the path that he would have chosen, but Paul had the perspective that in the crises, the gospel was going to go forward. It might just be that you might be in a a checkup hospital room this week for an illness that you didn't want or choose. There might be a nurse or a doctor or a, a, another patient that, that's there that's been searching and finding out what is the meaning of life and why am I here? And it just might be in your life this week as you go to work and you feel like, man, why am I here? That God has opened the door of opportunity so the gospel can go forward. But notice secondly tonight how, how Paul saw his crisis and how Paul had joy because the gospel was, being, was going forward. But secondly, crisis provides opportunity for us to be used for the glory of God. Crisis allows us the opportunity to be used for the glory of God. Look at verse number 13 of Philippians chapter number 1. So that in my bonds... It's not talking about bail bonds or stocks and bonds. He's literally incarcerated. Attached to what they say to an 18-inch Roman guard chain, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days out of the year, for two years of his life. Here's Paul, he says, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. The palace guard, you know that perhaps were anywhere from 9,000 to 16,000 men that had great authority in Rome. And every single day of Paul's life, he was chained to that guard. They would listen to the Apostle Paul as he would teach and preach about Jesus Christ. Paul, as he's in prison, and these men would rotate every six hours and would listen to the Apostle Paul as he would teach the Scriptures and tell them about his testimony, how on the road to Damascus, he met the Lord Jesus Christ, how that Jesus was uh, change his life and changed his direction, how, how he was a religious man but was a lost man. And Paul was preaching and, 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 and Paul was being so greatly used of God there in that Roman jail cell, and he had the right perspective. He said, I'm not going to allow myself to sulk or sour. I'm not going to allow myself to become discouraged or become depressed. I'm going to use this opportunity so that God can use me for his honor and for his glory. Why did Paul have joy in his crisis? Because he saw it as an opportunity to be used for God's glory. Perhaps tonight in your life you're going through something. Perhaps in your life it's something you didn't choose or plan or hope for or wish. But it just might be that through that circumstance, like the Apostle Paul, God is going to use that to be your greatest impact, your greatest platform to bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I love Paul's perspective because Paul, as he's in Rome, as he's in prison, he didn't murmur and complain against God. He didn't question God. He didn't doubt God. He didn't see himself chained to a Roman guard. But but Paul saw the guard that was actually chained to him. And said, This guy, he's chained me for the next six hours. What am I gonna do? I'm not gonna talk about sports. I'm not gonna talk about my hobbies or my interests for the next six hours, buddy. Whether you like it or not, you're gonna hear about Jesus. You're gonna hear about the gospel. And God's going to use me in this prison, this place, while I might be chained to preach Christ. You say, Pastor Tim, did anybody in the life of the Apostle Paul get saved there? Well, I think they did. Because the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, in verse 22, that all the saints salute you. Chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. Well, how did the gospel get to Caesar's household? Well, perhaps through a small little four-foot, nine-inch, hook-nosed, bald, unibrowed man by the name of the Apostle Paul. That's how it got there. And God used Paul's life to the furthest of the gospel and used him for the glory of God. Now, you might feel like the Apostle Paul tonight. You might feel chained to a job. You might feel chained to a neighbor. You might feel chained to a lost relative. Perhaps God has placed him in your life so that you can be used for the glory of God for the furtherance of the gospel in that person's life. John Bunyan was that great preacher of yesteryear. You know the story. As he spent many years in the Bedford jail, people would congregate around him to hear him teach and preach until he was later moved to a different jail cell. But from that prison, that great man of God wrote that book that we know called Pilgrim's Progress in over 200 languages and over 100 million copies that have been sold. He used as an opportunity to be used for the glory of God. Paul, as a prisoner, used his platform, used his place of incarceration to be a pulpit, to preach Christ, to warn people of the error of their way, to turn to Jesus Christ for salvation. Paul would use that prison cell to write the book of Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Philemon. He was used for God's glory. Paul maintained joy. Then lastly, this this evening, I want you to see back in chapter number one, what crisis will do and how can Paul had joy because crisis doesn't just promote the progress of the gospel and crisis doesn't just allow us to be used for God's glory, but crisis produces courage in the life of other believers. Look at verse number 14, if you would please. And many of the brethren in the Lord, those that knew Christ as Savior, those that had Place their faith and trust in Christ, even perhaps in Rome. And Rome was not a Christian nation, was it? Rome was a pagan culture that many of the emperors would place their severed heads on unlighted lampposts and burn them to light his palace garden. But these people, fearing death and fearing persecution as they saw what the Apostle Paul was going through, became bold in their faith as they were preaching the gospel. He says they waxed confident. How? By my bonds. And God was using the bonds and God was using the jail cell in Rome, the life of the apostle Paul, so that other people might now preach more boldly the word without fear. Paul's crisis did not produce cowardice in his people, but it produced Courage. Paul's zeal produced zeal in the others also. Paul's enthusiasm for the gospel produced enthusiasm of those that knew the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul's boldness provoked boldness. It provoked the church at Philippi to stand strong and fast in the Lord Jesus Christ. It encouraged the people that were in Rome under the great persecution of that emperor and king to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ and to boldly and confidently proclaim the gospel of Jesus let me ask the question if I may tonight who in your life has been challenged by your courage for the Lord who in your life has been impacted by your zeal for the Lord as you've been facing circumstances as you've been going through difficult times in your own life as people are watching as people are looking who has been provoked to godliness who has been provoked to righteousness who has become more bold in their faith by the example of that you're set in your life. You don't know him, but I do, and John and if you might know him as well. Was a Sunday morning, uh, about two years ago, an older gentleman and his wife came to church and uh, preached, and he, he met me at the door, and, and uh, was very gracious and kind, and said, we'll be back next week. came back next week, and I have, was preaching on that Sunday morning about uh, the book of, actually, the book of Philippians, and and at the door, he said, you know, Pastor, what you were preaching reminded me of a story. And the way he started it out and started setting it up with this whole illustration, and I looked him in the eye and said, you're a preacher, aren't you? He said, for over 60 years. 60 years. He's been faithful to our church. And here in California, pastor up in Yuba City, Cottonwood, Redding, California, up in Oregon as well. And this man for over 60 years, has stood behind the pulpit and preached the word of God. And it's not always been easy. Every Wednesday morning of my life we get together at 9 o'clock at Starbucks and he just pours into me and encourages me. And I'll ask him questions about, about preaching. i ask him questions about parenting. I'll ask him questions about life and ministry and all those things and he just pours and prays over me. But I look at his life and Heartache after heartache and hurt after hurt and disappointment after disappointment. Experienced the highs of ministry and the lows of ministry. But it's helped me so greatly the last several years. And I look at it now as an 89-year-old man every Wednesday of my life and I look and say, that's who I want to be. That's what I want to be like. Were the circumstances always pleasant in his life? No. But know what it's done in my life? It's brought Courage. His example, his testimony has made me bold in my faith. His example, his testimony, and circumstances and trials and tests that I've gone through the last five years. I look at him and say, well, if he can do it, then so can I. If he can be faithful, then so can I. If he can go through adversity and the loss of loved ones and disappointment by people, then, then so can I. Here's a Paul is teaching this church at Philippi. He's saying, listen, if I can suffer reproach from the gospel of Jesus Christ, and if I can be faithful, then so can you. If I can have joy in crisis, then so can you. If I can rejoice in the is going forward in the midst of my suffering, in the midst of my adversity, then so can you. Amen. Tonight in your life, God's got you in a situation perhaps that you didn't choose or didn't like. But it might just be that the gospel goes forward through your life, through the suffering. And God wants to use you for his glory through that suffering. And God wants to use you as an example so that you can be used greatly by the Lord Jesus Christ to produce courage in the life of his followers as well. So in your life tonight, determine to remain faithful despite unpleasant circumstances, to serve it as an example to other believers, to always delight in the progress of the gospel no matter the circumstances, and that through your life that you would determine more than ever to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus. In closing, Landon, where would Paul learn that? Who was Paul's example to maintain joy and suffering? Who was the one that Paul looked to as one that in crisis the gospel would go forward? Who was the one that would be an example that had joy despite suffering Wherefore, Hebrews 12, verse 1, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto, you know the word, the name, Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ went through the great. Tr- the great crucifixion of the cross, yet did it with joy. Because of the love that he has for a fallen, broken world, sinners that could not save themselves, sinners that were dead in trespasses of sin, that could not be made alive by any work of the flesh or deed of the flesh. The Bible says, "In you who are dead in sin, hath he quickened, he is made alive in Christ Jesus. Thank God that the Lord Jesus Christ saw the agony of the cross and was faithful and persevered and gave his life a ransom for many who for the joy that was set before me he endured it so that you and I might obtain the glorious gift of salvation the gift of being reconciled back to God not through our merits and not through our works and not through our Baptist church not through our baptism and not through our offering plate but through what Jesus Christ has done Christ tonight is our ultimate example of joy in crisis though Paul tonight gives us a model Tonight, you might be in a crisis mode, but I want you this week to look and contemplate and consider and question, Lord, how can through this crisis the gospel go forward? Who are you going to put in my life this week to witness to and share the gospel with that through this adversity you get glory, and that through my suffering and through my sorrow, though I have a broken heart, God, that you just use my life for the furthest of the gospel and for the glory of God. Tonight, let's be like the Apostle Paul and I was joyful that the gospel was advanced. Let's be like the Apostle Paul that maintained the right spirit, that had the right focus, the right perspective because it was the gospel, it was because Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the Audio Preaching Podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us,